right. Well, I'd like to welcome everybody to episode number three. This is the third podcast from Managing a Fire Company. Thanks for being with us uh, from wherever you're listening from and whatever time it is where you're listening. We're going to start off by doing some introductions. To my left, John Brunicini, uh, MFC. And I'm Trish Conley, Deputy Chief Ben Fire and Rescue and a Validation Committee member. Ralph Bannon, District Chief um, with Miami Day Fire Rescue and a part of the Validation uh, Committee member. Ralph's a shift commander. He has wings. Yeah, it's a very authoritative term. He's a big deal. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ralph's a big deal. Shift commander. If you guys say so. And I'm Kyle Trumbly, and I'm not a big deal, and I'm with Managing a Fire Company. <clears throat> and it is a pleasure to be with you all. So I'd like to welcome everybody to the uh, Managing a Fire Company podcast. And thanks, thanks to our guests for being with us <clears throat> this afternoon. We thought on this podcast, we just kind of cover section one briefly of the book. And uh, section one is a general just like overview. And we really want to highlight... Um, the various chapters in the book and subjects from the book throughout our series of podcasts to kind of give you an idea of what being a company officer is like or what it should look like in today's fire service. So I'm interested uh, to hear from our guests today about that. John, what is it about, what was it about this book and that really piqued your interest as far as like, what was missing in the fire service today? What was it? that made you want to write this book and, and particularly started off with the job description of the company officer. My major motivation was because all the other books that were out there, you know, and they had some good stuff in them, but at the end of the day, they really never told me how to be a company officer. So that was my major motivation. And then, uh, being raised by my dad, uh, you know, he was a very humane person. And uh, I think that that is a very key part in managing anything is being humane and respecting the people that you work for. So I really wanted to write a book in that vein where you took care of your people and it really told you, you know, what you're really getting into as a company officer. In this first section, the upfront stuff, uh, before we kind of, I wanted to write a book that was kind of a one, two, three, you know, when you you walk in the station, this is kind of how what you're going to have to manage. So in the upfront stuff, uh, you had to get some basic principles out to, uh, everyone before you started that process. So they knew what their job description was, what their expectations were, what, what authority they had, what authority they don't have. And really their ultimate job description is, you know, the SOP following and enforcement. So we had to get all that stuff out of the way. But Kyle, to answer your question, really, it's just I, uh, despite all the other books out there on managing a company, and uh, the other committee members can jump in there. They're just they didn't give you kind of the nuts and bolts of the daily stuff that you were going to have to manage. Well, that certainly piqued my interest when you asked me about it, um, and being on the validation committee, and we've talked a little bit on this in the previous podcast, but. I hadn't seen anything out there like it um, that kind of provided this example, this template, if you will, for departments and individuals alike to work off of. So that's kind of what piqued my interest. And I'd be curious to know, Trish, I mean, when you first 
got the call to be on the validation committee and you first kind of looked over the text, what kind of piqued your interest? What piqued my interest and what I love about this book, and, I, and I've said it before, is it's a really rubber meets the road. I think there's a lot of company officer books out there and they sort of, they touch on some of these subjects, but this is really nuts and bolts about how to be a good company officer and the details of, just like John said, soon as you walk into the station and the apparatus checks and briefing your crews and meals and sleep and uh, writing up employees, there's all this book talks in detail about these things. And I just don't think there's another company officer book out there that does that. Uh, so it was really exciting when I was reading it and we had some fantastic conversations about the subjects, subject matter in this book. What about you, Ralph? I'm going to have to keep on going with what Trish said. Uh, after reading so many company officer books that are out there, everybody has chapters regarding managing the fire company or leading a fire company. Then the next chapter will specify uh, just deal with SOPs and policies and procedures. What's the best about this book is that it really brings it all together. It incorporates how Matt taking care of your crews um, and serves the purpose of what we're there for to begin with, which is to serve the public. And how do you do that? Uh, making sure your crews are trained, making sure you take care of your crews. A crew that is happy is a crew that performs well and therefore does the mission and the goals of the department, which is to serve the community. Yeah, very interesting. So when looking at the upfront and general part of the book, John, what was the most challenging chapter to write? Uh, I don't think it was very challenging at all to write. Uh, my, my biggest motivation with this upfront section is I think a lot of company officers and, and I don't think their, their departments do a very good job of explaining uh, the job that they're really testing for and what they expect out of them before that whole testing and the list is out now. And there's a lot of visions of grandeur that I think a lot of officers think that they're testing into this role where they're going to be really running things and inventing new ideas and acting out all of the stuff. And really what it boils down to is we're, we're promoting you to be a manager and a supervisor and you what you manage and supervise around are SOPs so I, I think there's a little delusion uh, when people are going in the testing process to where they really need to understand what authority they have what they don't have uh, th their rule follower and enforcers and they they need to wrap their mind around that because there's this big, and we talked about it in the last podcast, you know, leadership versus management. Well, they're definitely going into a management role and not a leadership role. So we really wanted to, through these first five chapters, just kind of clarify that so they had a good understanding of what their overall job description was before they got into the rest of the book. So about three weeks ago, uh, we had assembled in Phoenix for a meeting. And just to speak to John's point, um, we were having dinner. And the conversation came up. We were just talking about the book and it really kind of resonated with me. This is why we need to be doing podcasts because um, 
there's all these things to talk about and people need to hear this. I think it's very important to the job. We got on a conversation and it took at least two or three beers to get through it that centered around why is it difficult for company officers to enforce the SOPs? Generally, it's becoming more and more difficult for them to do that. And that led into different conversations about, you know, living together and the dynamics of the shift. And I just, I kind of want to just touch on that example because I think that's, um, that's the kind of stuff that's in this book. That's the kind of stuff that's in section one. And it's, it's very interesting and there's plenty of, to talk about and plenty to dissect and work through. So being on the validation committee, Ralph, I'm curious to know what was the, what was your favorite section in section one in the general part, which chapter did you like the best? I mean, it really all ties in together, uh, the first five chapters. But if you're going to make me pick one, I enjoy leading by example. But you can't have leading by example without talking about organizational and personal authority first. Um, and just to touch upon what John said, uh, the SOPs, you know, that's what gives you your organizational authority. What you do with the, your organizational authority comes along with your personal authority. Uh, is what you make your personal authority out of it. Crews respect their officers, respect them because they know that those officers have their best interests in mind. And that officer knows that the best thing that he can do uh, is to take care of their crews. That way their crews take care of them. That's leading by example. Crews that see their officers that care are going to mimic those examples. So that ties into leading by example also. What about you, Trish? What was your favorite chapter in section one? Well, first of all, I love section one because it really is about that sort of nuts and bolts of being a company officer and their interaction with their crew. And I, 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 I just thought that section one's really interesting. And for me, it was really that organizational versus personal authority um, because I think there's so much interesting conversation that can come from that what is organizational authority versus what is personal authority and how they work off of each other and how you are really given one but build the other. Um, and they're both incredibly important. So I'm excited to talk about chapter three, which is the organizational and personal authority. Yeah, there's there's so many good things in there. For me personally, I just, I don't know, I, I just think you could take section one in general and summarize it. And I thought section one would make the perfect company officer book. And then there was some more, another section, and then another section, and then the mental health aspect. So all of that down the line. John, can you just kind of talk about what went into writing section one? I mean, I know I talked a little bit about your thought process behind the book in the first couple of podcasts that we covered. However, when you're sitting down at the computer or you're, you're in your office and you're saying, okay, how am I going to construct this book? What went into section one? I mean, what, why the content that's in it? Um, my crew when I was out as company officer, they said one of my greatest attributes is I had a gift for stating the obvious. And at first I thought, Hey, don't talk to me like that. But in all reality, it's, uh, it was a compliment 
And to me, writing it, it was just writing down common sense. And a lot of the people who have read the book, the feedback I get is it's, it's well written, but why hasn't anybody put this together? And it all just makes sense. So uh, it, it was kind of easy. And it was, you know, it was based on my experiences and really knew and where I stood in my organization as a company officer and what my overall job was. And uh, I saw a lot of other people come into that role. First of all, they weren't trained very well. But second of all, I saw the organization kind of let them down by not really directing them in the areas that they needed to go to, to, to make them realize what they were doing and how to do it the best way they could do it. So to me, it was common sense. I was just stating the obvious. I've heard that from several reviewers. You know, this is all really good stuff. Why hasn't anybody put it together before? But that was a big deal to me is just letting people know what their real role is. And if, you know, one word to sum it all up is your role is service. And that's what you're here for. Deliver service. Well, I think that's pretty coincidental that you just, that you said that because I didn't comment on what my favorite chapter of section one was, but my favorite chapter was chapter two, company officer expectations. And the reason why is because I thought back to just different conversations that I've had and, and just reflections that I've had about, okay, what should you expect from a company officer? And it was that simple, just stating the obvious that you talked about with the expectations um, that like drew me into the chapter. And I thought to myself, wow, if I'd have just had that in front of me in this instance or that instance, it would have made my life a lot easier because I'm trying to (laughs) explain these expectations. I should have just had this in front of me because it is very plain and simple, but yet it makes a whole lot of sense. So I thought that was coincidental that you said that. Ralph, what are you most looking forward to talking about as we get into the podcast later on down the line? There's uh, there's so many topics that we could uh, that we could pick from. Um, the topic of uh, leading by example is big for me. Um, that's something I've always prided myself on. I've had good mentors in the past that have shown me uh, what it is to lead by example. Um, the biggest thing I think is uh, as a company as a company officer is just uh, remember that you're here for. You're here to do a job, and that job is to take care of the community that you serve. And by doing that, uh, you got to make sure that uh, you take care of uh, your crews that that you manage. This book is something that that puts it all together and helps and helps people realize uh, when you decide to take that step to come, to become a company officer, uh, you're taking hopefully you're taking ownership of something. Uh, you want to be the best officer that you could be, not just a status quo. No, I don't think anybody aims to be a bad officer or or wants to be a bad officer, but there's some people that say, hey, I'm just going to do the bare minimum. This is a, this is the book that if you're that op, that company officer that wants to, to do the status quo, well, this book can be some infi- insightful information that, that could help you take it to the next level. If you're that person that takes ownership in being a company officer, this book is just going to reinforce your strengths and uh, continue and for you to continue doing what you do best. And that's uh, managing your crews, taking care of your crews and serving the public. Yeah. I know Trish is looking forward to talking about 
organizational and personal authority because when we got together and met, she went on and on about looking forward to talking about that. So I know that that's going to be a great podcast. John, what are you most looking forward to sharing with the audience out there that's listening as far as, you know, contents in the book or subjects related to the book? What do you think is going to be the best? Well, to, to keep on kind of what I've been preaching, harping on here, uh, I think the SOP chapter and the upfront stuff, it really delineates between kind of a manager and a leader because the SOPs, I, and I know like a company officer, and I, I hate this word, but they're a victim of their organization's SOPs, whether they're good or bad. And hopefully they're, they're all good. So, but it really, I don't know, it emphasizes the point that it's very hard for a company officer to write and implement SOPs in their organizations. That's not what their role is. Their role is to take whatever current SOPs are out there and to follow them and to enforce them. And I think it really shows them that the leaders of the organizations are the ones that write the SOPs and the managers of the organizations are the ones that follow and enforce them. So that's one of my favorite chapters because it really shows an officer, this is what you're here for. And with Ralph and Trish here being kind of in the upper management levels, they will both attest to a company officers there to, to follow and enforce the SOPs. That really is their job description. And <clears throat> no one told me that when I was taking the company officers test in the nineties, uh, long time ago. And I think that if we tell every officer that's going to get into this role, this is what your job is very clearly. It, it would just make them do it better because they know what they're really getting into. Instead of these visions of grandeur, you know, Hey, I, I have a note here. People aren't going to be great just because you showed up. I mean, you have to work uh, to be good. This is what Ralph was saying earlier. If I want to be a really good officer, that's going to take some effort. So, John, I uh, I agree. Those SOPs are there and they're written out. It's a uh, it's up for the company officer to uh, enforce them and follow them and make sure everybody else does. But with that being said, it's uh it's the delivery of the way the officer does it. That's what makes the officer. How do they go about delivering those SOPs? You know, it's all in the delivery, isn't it? Always. <laughs> Well, and if they understand, and I think this is what it gets down to the point of what John's getting at, if they understand that that is the core of their job is to understand the SOPs and to follow them. And it really is the guiding light to what they're doing as a company officer. And I think, Kyle, you brought up that sometimes it's company officers may feel like it's it's challenging for them to make their crews follow these guidelines, but really it's super simple. And if they understand that that's their job, it gets really easy. Uh, to me, uh, it, it, it was difficult. The first time you really had to get on somebody the back and balance of the SOP. And I know there's a lot of stuff going on in someone's brain, you know, when that happens, but after it happens, I'm telling you, man, it is liberating. It's like, wow, I just enforced the company policy and they followed it after I told them to do it. Uh, 
I think that there's a lot more trepidation in doing that than there needs to be. And I, I think when they know that that's what their role is, they better get used to it. And there's no way you can roll out a 10 years a company officer and not have to sit down and talk to people about following the SOPs. So that's my favorite chapter I'm looking forward to, Kyle. Another part oh. of SOPs too, excuse me, are the, the, the fewer there are, or the worse they are. The, that creates gray. Hey, do firefighters love gray? Gray is unaccountable. They can't pin this on me. You know, I didn't know. So SOPs take a lot of that gray away. And the more gray that we can take away for a company officer, the more effective they're going to be. So, well, I, I would be remiss personally, if I didn't circle back to earlier, when you said that you promoted to a company officer back in the 1990s. <laughs> and I think that's how a many people testament. were born. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, 30 years ago, but I think it's a testament to the book and the content in the book, because you learn from those experiences, some good and some bad, a lot of the backgrounds that's in the book that is personally my favorite part, which I spoke of in the earlier podcast, but these are, these are proven analogies. This is proven methodology that's written down. I mean, it was applicable, you know, 30 years ago in a lot of respects, and it still is today. However, we have not done a good job of writing this stuff down, of sharing this type of information with those who are coming up in our respective organizations or, you know, in our past. And now we have the opportunity to do that through this book. So I think it's, it's really great. And I think it's a credit to you, John. And I think it's a credit to the validation committee members and the hard work that they put in. When we were putting this together, every time we get met, the validation committee, they always wanted to talk about solving problems. And we're not talking about that here. So well, I had to keep them focused. No, let's talk about this. Ralph. Problem solvers. Mm -hmm. Problem solvers. Well, just to add on uh, with the years of experience uh, that John applied to the book, I think uh, through the validation committee also, the scenarios that came up in the book, throughout the book, showed that this happens everywhere. All these scenarios happen everywhere in every fire department. And these other books don't describe the scenarios of of personnel issues. And some of them are serious personnel issues that have to get brought up. And it did. This book brought up those serious personnel issues and, and how to handle them and how to go about them, which is something that other books have lacked for a long time. So this book is a is is essential because it brought to light that you know what all fire departments for the most part have problems and there's ways to go about them and deal with them we hired from the same gene pool yeah They're the same 10 people all right well hopefully this podcast has kind of piqued your interest a little bit more and if you are interested in learning more about some of the things that we talked about this evening i would encourage you to go to www.managingafirecompany.com, pick up a copy of the book, read it, develop your own thoughts, sit around the coffee table, wherever you choose to, talk about them, debate the subjects. I think you're going to find that it's a really good investment. I want to thank Ralph Bayana, Trish Connolly, John, as always, thanks for having us. 
We'll see you on the next episode. Where do we go? Where do we go? Where do we go?